Um, one thing that I appreciate as I arrived here this morning, um, it's a way that God reminds me that he is with me. Um, my wife and I selected the songs, the hymns that we sang at our wedding, and uh, one that we chose is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And since then, every baptism we've had of our children, we have four children, we chose that hymn. And then when we arrived here this morning, we sang Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. So it's kind of one of the neat ways that God has to remind me that uh, he is in this place. When I begin to speak, I like to say words from the Psalms, and some of you may know these words. If you do, say them with me. I'll say them through twice. If you um, choose to just listen, that's okay. O Lord, may the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our rock and our redeemer. O Lord, may the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our rock and our redeemer. Today I'm going to share my testimony that's sort of sandwiched between the, uh, well, my, the gospel story is sandwiched between my testimony of how I have found delight in spite of the disorder of my mental illness. Delight in God in spite of this disorder. And um, I want to begin with uh, early in my life, um, I was having unexplained symptoms um, that, was, that were well beyond the ordinary from the time I was a teen. During an algebra exam, I, I heard a commanding voice coming from both within me and around me, such that I had to excuse myself to get a drink of water and collect myself. And it was only with great effort and by the grace of God that I could finish the test. These symptoms, however, were few and far between. Later, psychiatrists attributed this to my being a well-conditioned athlete. I played tennis and basketball. I found in sports a way to be released from the disorder around me and to somehow soothe or calm the disorder within me. Then I went to college. I gave up sports and found other pursuits, like drugs and alcohol. Some mental health professionals call this self-medicating, which is somewhat of a kind term to describe what it really is. Um, however, it did keep and does keep for many people certain symptoms at bay. Uh, you don't experience the extremes as in my case with bipolar disorder. You don't necessarily experience the extremes of emotions that you might otherwise uh, experience. I certainly would never recommend to anyone, however, that you try to treat a mood disorder with your own mood-altering drug. After college, I actually moved here to Columbus, not far from here. And uh, one Easter Sunday, I was driving through town and spotted a woman wandering in a bank parking lot. It was cold outside, and she was wearing a tattered coat, so I stopped and tried to help her. 
she was confused. She didn't know where she was. And I didn't know where to take her. We were both lost. And so here on this Easter Sunday, I decided to test the Lord in a way. And I took her to one of the downtown churches where everyone was wearing their their Easter Sunday best. And there, an usher brought her in, gave her a muffin and a cup of coffee. And they very calmly helped her determine where she was and where she needed to be and find her way home. I left that Sunday in tears, being blessed by God to experience this community of grace. Not long after that, I responded to a call and attended seminary in Louisville at the Louisville Presbyterian Seminary. I became clean and sober and met the woman who would become my wife, Alice. Slide two. While she finished, um, we moved to St. Louis after we were married. And uh, while she finished a graduate degree, I became pastor of a small country church outside of St. Louis. I write this in my spiritual memoir in the autobiographical poem in the beginning. We moved to the countryside, and I became pastor of a frozen flock. I delivered sermons on Sunday and took the trash out on Tuesdays. Sarah Emily was born in the early spring. There was a chill in the air and ice on the roads, but we barely noticed. We brought her home to balloons and signs, a Noah's Ark nursery. We made her first week a music video with Sandy Patty singing, You are a masterpiece, a new creation he has formed. And you're as soft and as fresh as a snowy winter morn. And I'm so glad that God has given you to me. But after a week, I was spent, or so I thought. I retreated to my office and didn't come out, even when I came home. I began to spin out of control. In a fit of creative energy, I composed a book on prayer. I was so busy with prayer that I made no time to pray. I started a book on faithful fathering. Alice took Sarah to a friend's. They were gone for three days. When they returned, I fell into a deep pit of despair. Sleeping days, tossing and turning at nights. A friend recommended his psychiatrist who prescribed pills. A new generation of antidepressants. Not your mother's Valium, I was assured. With prayer and pills, God and therapy, I found some relief. Released, we conceived again our graceful pilgrim, Grace Aaliyah. You can all say it together. (laughs) With some measure of balance, I accepted a call to a well-endowed church in northeast Pennsylvania looking for an infusion of life from a young pastor. Our young family seemed just what the doctor ordered to fill the script. Number four. 
But my life script was much messier than I may have expected or could have expected at the time. Any of us could have expected. Not long after this picture was taken, I had a reaction to some antidepressants that I was taking. I went seven nights without sleep. I saw bent road markers as signs that the end was near. I believed a falling light fixture was Satan descending to the earth. I heard voices telling me that I was on a special mission to rescue God, God's chosen ones, from destruction. By the grace of God, I made it to a psych hospital where I was diagnosed with bipolar 1 with psychotic features. Today, they may call it schizoaffective disorder. The staff at the hospital painted a very bleak outlook for what my future would hold. They said I would experience three things. Number one, I would never work again as a pastor. Number two, I would get divorced. And number three, I would live my life in and out of psych units. At first, I believed them, and I became very depressed. But over time, the Holy Spirit working through the gospel, God's word made flesh in Christ and made clear in the whole of Scripture, brought me back to life. I want to round out my family portion to show you where the Lord led us next. This is uh, our young son that we adopted, Caleb Ezra Anthony. And he um, uh, was, fat. We, we adopted him from Albany, New York. And he was so small. This is his one-year-old um, adoption picture. And we, I think we stole that suit off a teddy bear. He was, so, he was so tiny. But he's a joy. And then we adopted again. Um, this is Hannah. And she is, uh, she'll do anything you want if you play her a song. She loves music. And uh, is quite a joy. Um, I now want to offer a few reflections and invite yours in the gospel reading for this morning from Matthew 6. If you want to turn, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 6, verses 7 through 15. Those of you who didn't bring your Bibles, that's okay. You'll recognize these verses Um, many of these verses as uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer, at least Matthew's version of it. How about if someone would offer to read, um, if if someone with a new international version, just just because I want to make a point about that, someone with a new international version, read verses 7 to 15 in Matthew 6. You got it, John? Do you have an NIV? or? Okay. Somebody have that? Okay. Okay. Oh, you want a mic? Oh, great, so everybody can hear my mistakes. <laughs> and when you pray, do not keep on babbling. <clears throat> do not keep on babbling on like pagans. For they think like the head, hold on here a minute. My eyes are, I have to take my glasses off. 
And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans, for they think like the head, for they will be heard because of the many words. Do not think like them, for your father knows what need need before you ask him. This then of how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For it is is forgiven men when they sin against you. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Um, so Jesus is asked by his disciples how best to pray. Now, this is a very common question in that time, as um, disciples of a certain rabbi would ask their master um, for a particular prayer to say um, to uh, meditate and grow in the spirit in a, in a spiritual meditative way. Um, now, these prayers could sometimes be very complex, and they served almost like magical incantations. Um, Jesus instead gives a model prayer that is not so much designed to be repeated as it is to mold all of our prayers. It includes adoration, O God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And Matthew's version then includes three intercessions or requests. One about provision, give us today our daily bread. And the other about conditional, another about conditional forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And finally, there is a request for spiritual protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This prayer has shaped my life in worship as well as my walk in faith for many ways. I was diagnosed with bipolar early in my career as a pastor. And as I said, the staff at the hospital gave me a very bleak outlook. But I praise God for his wonderful wonderful provisions, his daily bread, in spite of this outlook. Um, turn to the next slide. Um, after I was diagnosed with bipolar, I enjoyed another three years at the church I was serving. Um, and then I was called to a church in upstate New York in the Finger Lakes. And this was uh, a photo we took one Sunday after church. And you can see it's a, it was a very diverse church. It was it was, I was serving as sort of the village vicar. Uh, we were the only Protestant church in town. So um, if you didn't belong to the Catholics, you were free game um, for us. Um, but it meant I did a lot of funerals, attended a lot of basketball games and plays. Um, it was quite a blessing. We also had uh, uh, the, the town thrift shop and food pantry. So we had a very strong social ministry. 
So the Lord blessed us to serve there in Ovid for um, over eight years, eight and a half years. Um, And I was able, by God's grace, to uh, be treated only with outpatient treatment um, for all of that time. So God's provisions are delightful and abundant in spite of the disorder within us and the scarcity around us. At this time, I'd like to invite a little dialogue. How has God abundantly blessed you in spite of whatever disorder or scarcity you've found? And anyone can chime in. Yeah, how has God blessed you abundantly in spite of your own disorder or scarcity within you or around you? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that humility is a perfect transition to this next section that I wanted to look at in the the Lord's Prayer. Um, Or, well, it's actually a later section, so I'll I'll move to because that I want to get to that as well. Um, One other, however, one other uh, key focus I want to point out in the Lord's Prayer is the, um, uh, the, the last intercession or request that in the, um, well, I'll read a couple translations. Some of you may have one and some of you may have the other. One, one uh, feature here is the last petition, and it reads like this. Um, 
lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the traditional standard translation that many of you may have. Um, Pastor Bob Sanders of uh, Lake Oswego, Oregon, says this in his sermon on this verse, however. Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation or testing that would break us. And then he adds, but deliver us from evil. Deliver is too weak a translation. The Greek word means snatch us away. Think of a mother grabbing her young child and pulling her back from a street full of fast-moving cars. And you've got the picture. Jesus says, we pray that God will deliver us, snatch us away from what? From evil. Yes, but not just evil in a general sense. What Jesus says here, and the New International Translation puts it this way, it's literally, deliver us from the evil one. The Bible speaks of evil as a personified force, variously named Satan, the devil, the adversary, the slanderer. It is this evil one who hires us, who lures us into sin, and then whispers to us that there's no hope for us. Now, it's a little risky for someone who's already told you about spiritual delusions to be talking about the evil one. <laughs> um, but I hope no matter what your perspective is on, on spiritual warfare, that you can appreciate what the Bible has had to say on this subject. And I want to share with you uh, a brief experience of my own of how I can well appreciate um, this verse and this petition, this prayer from the Lord's uh, prayer. At the peak of my ministry career, I was serving a church on Long Island, pouring in countless hours and working myself into a frenzy at the expense of my family and my mental health. One night I came home and felt what seemed like flu at the time. So I went to bed early, kissed my children goodnight, and lay down. I stared at the ceiling, and suddenly I heard a voice say, It's okay. Now, many people who were in their right minds, as we might like to call it, would have heard that as a voice of reassurance. Things are going to be okay. You know, things are going to work out. Instead, in my disturbed mind, I heard this as permission, as a relinquishment to end my life. I got up and took my pills, um, my bottle of psychotropic pills, poured out a handful and swallowed them. And then I did it again and again. Thanks be to God, while the evil one was luring me into death, God delivered me from that evil. God snatched me away from what certainly would have been an end to my life and gave me a chance for new life. 
Now when people ask me if I believe in the resurrection, I can say quite literally, absolutely yes. Not just as a pie-in-the-sky future reality that someday we will all experience, but as a literal truth that God has brought me back from death into new life through Christ. Instead of breaking me, God snatched me from the snares of the evil one and rescued my life. Now I'd like to hear from you. In what way has God rescued you? Maybe not quite as dramatically, but in what way has God rescued you from evil and brought you back to life? Yeah. Very good example. A lot of people with addiction can testify to uh, how God leads them to new life away from the slow dying that, that we all might have in our addiction. Any others? Okay, I'd like to finish um, then this next section. Um, It goes on in the Bible to read um, after the Lord's Prayer uh, about, um, hold on just a second. Our reading moves from prayer to fasting, which is kind of a natural transition. In the scriptures, often prayer and fasting go hand in hand. These are two spiritual exercises that people practice together. And it says this, beginning in verse 16, if you're following along. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Notice that Jesus does not make a prescription or a time frame or method of fasting. He assumes fasting will take place, but he doesn't say when or for how long. Instead, he focuses on how fasting is done, or the way it is done. Jesus is trying to get across that when we fast, we should be humble about it. And this gets to what we talked about earlier, humility. Don't show off. Let the Holy Spirit shine through you in spite of your humanness. Don't let your spiritual pride stand in the way. Be humble. This is true for any spiritual exercise, whether it be fasting, prayer, tithing, service. Give yourself freely to God with no strings attached 
no worldly baggage, no quid pro quo, no conditions to be rewarded in this life for being such a good Christian. When I was first diagnosed with bipolar, I was deeply humbled, as you might expect. In many respects, I was humiliated. For I was ashamed to admit it, but I went through a lengthy season where I found I could get nothing out of Scripture. I no longer heard God's voice speaking to me in prayer. I lacked the energy or motivation to do God's will. Fortunately, this cloud did lift, and I once again came back to communion with Christ and with his people. The final section of our reading today is on heavenly treasures. Hear God's word, beginning in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermins do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. I like the way one post puts it. Desire God, not his gifts. And that's precisely what we are called to do here. To desire the Lord, not so much what he gives us. To long for communion with God and our heavenly treasures and not get so tied up with earthly treasures that we receive from God. One of my seminary professors had a saying that needs to be updated now, but the spirit is still there. He said, if you want to know what you believe, look at your checkbook. Now we would have to say credit card statement or something Uh, Later, it will be something else. But the point is clear. Some like to think you can express your faith solely through time and talents alone. But Jesus talks more about money and issues dealing with giving than almost any other subject in the Gospels. Certainly more than about a lot hot button issues talked about in many Christian circles these days. So just how do we store up treasures in heaven? By giving, certainly our time and clearly our talent, but also our money. Give for the work of the Lord as you are led to give. And don't stop giving when it hurts. Keep on giving until it feels good again. I feel very passionate about this subject for many reasons. One of them is that I have been the recipient of the gifts of God's people. After my initial diagnosis, it was unclear if I could work again at anything. We had a young family, student loans from graduate school, and extraordinary medical expenses. Through a special offering from churches throughout the country, Our medical costs were paid. The board of elders of my church extended me a paid leave of absence until I could return to work. Families dropped by meals. Women provided child care. 
we were blessed beyond measure thanks to the spirit of giving from those focusing not on earthly treasures, but heavenly ones. I can attest that I have lived with plenty and lived with scarcity. And I have discovered that when you delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Go to the next slide. Uh, I guess it's the next one. One more. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that's become my theme verse for um, this year and perhaps longer. And I'll close with this, with this. Notice that it does not say that when we delight in God, he will give us all we want. That is a misreading of the text. The verse says, if we delight yourself, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, if we find such great delight in the Lord, we will start wanting what God wants for us. And we will desire what is best for us according to the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord. And this will come, our will, our desires will come to resemble what the Lord wants for us. And then and only then will we receive heavenly treasures beyond measure. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, thank you for the gift of your love. Thank you for leading us through the disorder of our lives into the delight you have prepared for us in Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that we might be led and inspired to delight in you more fully each day so that in our walk with you, we might come to a fuller measure of your grace and move from grace to grace into the heavenly treasures that you have prepared for our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. What what happens now? Since Eric went to go get some chicken wings, I guess I'll take over him right now. Um, it's for the meal. It's not just for us. Okay. So so thank you so much, Tony, for leading us in our worship today. I think that was um, – God is really using you to speak into the lives of so many people that struggle with mental health disorders. And I think that, you know – making that clear and sharing that story brings so much power and light to something that the enemy wants to keep in darkness and keep us down and in bondage. So thank you for being a voice. Um, Okay, so we're going to eat together today to celebrate that um, and get to know each other. We have a whole bunch of people here that have never been here before, and let's everyone get to know them. So I'll pray for our food, and then we can turn the lights on and just head over there and enjoy, okay? 
Uh, God, thank you for bringing us all here today. We thank you for Tony's ministry, Lord, and we thank you for the ministry that you have here at the living room. Lord, I pray that as we enjoy this meal together, that we would grow in fellowship with one another and that your name would be glorified. Uh, We thank you for all the hands that provided the food today, where we thank you for their service and for their hospitality. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. Let's eat.